All right, welcome to the latest edition to Hear That Podcast. Growlin, Paul Daner Jr., Jay Morrison of The Athletic are here with you. Jay, we watched football today. We did. I've got the uh, the damp undershirt from two hours in the sun of watching practice. That old familiar feeling. <laughs> uh, that old familiar familiar feeling of of body sweat and odor, the smell of football, and and if you're talking about covering Bengals football, asphalt being made very close nearby, you've got that smell too. Still there. That has not gone away. It will soon, you know, in a, in a couple of years, but. Uh, no, that's still going on too. So, but we were down there, we were back, we took in some practice, uh, and can officially comment on the beginning of the Joe Burrow era, at least to all of our eyes. So, we've got uh, a lot to get to um, from over the course of the last week. And guess what? Very exciting news as. Ha- as is one to be the season really this is sort of the beginning of the season for sure so we're going two times a week now so we can try to keep up this time of year it's hard to keep up day to day like it's hard to even find a shelf life for some of this stuff because so much changes you know practice to practice um you know and then year to year some things are exactly the same like aj green getting hurt in a practice uh, but so we'll get into that. But we're gonna have so we'll, we'll still have the two episodes a week back with you now, so we can kind of keep up as, as things develop over uh, the beginning of the week, the end of the week. Uh, so look forward to that. We want to talk a little bit about some of the depth chart stuff that we're seeing. Uh, what that looks like it's going there. I've got a story on Drew Sample. I kind of want to dive into a little bit. Um, some run passer boots and all the fun things we like to do. I'll just open it up like this, Jay. Number one primary observation day one. What was your? What do you have like a, uh, you know, primary takeaway? Um, well, besides seeing AJ laying on the ground and getting stretched out, um, <laughs> yeah, that's probably number one. Uh, I would have to just say, I mean, it, it's it wasn't surprising because we all saw the season he had last year. But I mean, Joe Burrow, every throw, it's just it's right on the guy's hands. It's whether there was pressure, whether he had to go through progressions, or he hit the first guy he was at going after. I mean, every throw is right there. And, yeah, it's it's easier to do when you know even if somebody does break through the line, they're not going to touch you. But um, it's just, you know, Andy, he, he wasn't horrible in terms of accuracy, but he his balls would sail from time to time. He There would, you know, be some days that were better than – and than others but I mean just the the, fir- the first time watching Joe Burrow really go at it in 11s and it was just it's just different I mean every it seemed like every ball was perfectly placed yeah we'll start with Burrow and get to green here in a minute because I think you have to start there um I'll say this I I, I did not want to come out of this and I and I'm not going to making any kind of real observations about Joe Burrow because it's one practice it's two 11 on 11 sessions a couple of sevens I mean it's not like we're talking about there's just you have to get a bigger picture before you start and I mean that with anybody any rookie anybody you haven't seen anybody you're wondering how they're going to mix in I just want to see more I mean the to me the 
quick decision making and finding accurate throws to, on all the short to intermediate stuff certainly stood out. But also, he didn't really push the ball down the field hardly at all, and, and that's you know part of um, maybe where they're at. Part of I mean, I remember that last year we we joked about how they were like ten days in in camp, we hadn't seen them throw a deep ball. Um, you know. So that's where I'm really interested. The deep accuracy, I think, is what it was a big part of what was sold in Joe Burrow and what he established last year and that you want to see happen in camp where you can really see explosiveness in the offense, even deep intermediate. And, we, and that was not part of what was going on today, so it's hard to make this. But, yeah, I mean, the does seem to have control of everything, does seem to, you know, in and out of the huddle, composure, accuracy that stuff is certainly part of it um but again one practice i'd I'd much prefer to be having this conversation about how joe burrow has looked and be more definitive you know obviously after games but i would this time next week i think you get a weekend a scrimmage in you can get a better feel that scrimmage is going to be coming on Friday. Uh, so we'll have a little bit better feel after that with a little bit more of a game situation type stuff. Yeah, I, I was tr- I was just going through my notes. He, he did have one deep ball, and he did not connect on that. That was the you know one pass that um, that that wasn't right on the hands. I want to say it was to Auden Tate. But I, I, Auden yeah, Tate okay. down the sideline. Yeah, it was tight, very tight right. coverage. Um, but, yeah, there, uh, that's, that's the one thing that really – I mean, fans may not care about this, but – where we're watching these practices from are so much farther away than uh, what we're used to for obvious reasons because of COVID. Um, and I, I feel like that's something we're really missing out because uh, Michael Jordan talked about it on the Zoom call today and Xavier Suafila talked about it, just the, the command that Joe has in the presence. And you miss you, you miss that little banter and, and just the – you know everything that goes into stuff before and after the play. It's it's really kind of lost because you're just too far away to hear it. Um, but it it does sound like from his teammates like he is doing everything right in that regard too. Where he's just he's got total command of the huddle of the team, and that's what you want to see from a rookie quarterback. That's a hard thing to do to step in with a bunch of veterans. And you know even though that's the position of quarterback is to be a leader to to be the new guy and and to step into that role is not always easy. I think it's easier when you did what Joe Burrow did and you have the reputation. I I think for that, in that respect, you know, he walks in the door with everyone looking to him as a leader. Most rookie quarterbacks don't have that. You know, you still have to go out there and earn it to a certain respect, but you know, he kind of did, <laughs> right? I mean, all these guys watched last year, so when they're looking for a leader and looking for the rookie, can the rookie lead them? Like, I don't know. I, I just want him to do what he did last year, and I was that was enough for me to earn it, to earn my respect. And I think that's part of that makes it easier when you did what you did. But that's that's part, you know, that's gonna that's part of the equation too. There's still a lot of learning. Obviously, it's gonna go with it. You know, we there was one bad ball on an out, which was. You know, it looked like uh, Joe Mixon kind of on a play action kind of jarred it loose a little bit on his way back to throw it. And it was one of those play action quick throws and the ball came out poorly. That type of stuff is the didn't have an offseason stuff um, that I that you're going to see and that we're seeing during camp through some of this stuff that I think, you know, how much of that is still going on in two weeks. Um 
the things that you worry about. I, I think you don't worry about the understanding of the playbook and the progressions and knowing what you need to do. It's the execution and the stuff that happens on the field, spacing, chemistry, you know, the timing of plays, things like that, um, that you're going to see how much of that stuff gets cleaned up and goes forward smoothly once we get closer to the game against the Chargers. Yeah, I mean, you, you, you would hope in two weeks that that's, that stuff's not still going on. Um, and it, it, it happens. It, it, you're, you're, it's not just uh, center quarterback exchanges or shotgun snaps. It's, it's you know, that, that mesh point of on the fakes with the running backs and just all those little things that only get worked out with reps. And, and they're so far behind the curve on, on getting those reps in that uh, not surprising to, to see that one happen today. All right, let's talk about A.J. Green's injury. <laughs> so it's basically to uh, to kind of take you to what we saw and, and the thoughts on it. Um, at one point, it was really hard to – I don't know, Jay, did you see exactly – I didn't see – I don't think any of us saw exactly what happened to get him in this spot. But all of a sudden, there's A.J. Green getting stretched out. Um I don't know. Did you see what exactly happened? Well, I didn't see what happened. It was the it was the first play of like Joe Burrow's second seven on seven series in that period. Um, you know, he he did three or four plays, and Finley did three or four, and then the the ones came back out, and uh, Burrow made a nice pass to to Tyler Boyd, and I just saw AJ Green go walking off and drop his helmet, and then he like took off and was like running you know how you see like a pinch runner come into a game and they run down the 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 line to kind of get loosened up that that's what it looked like he was doing and after he did a couple of those uh he went down on the ground and I was watching we we were in different spots where we were watching this and um, I had my binoculars on watching them stretch him out and uh Scotty Washington I don't know if they saw me looking through the binoculars or if this was total coincidence but he like comes over and like kneels down right in front of AJ so that so that nobody can see what's going on there but everybody's looking anyhow you see 18 on the ground getting stretched out um after he got up from that he started doing kind of those back and forth runs again where he was it wasn't just like a straight line he was he was accelerating and then and stopping and, and seeing how it felt do all those kind of things and you know at one point he he was done doing that will jackson came over and that's when i saw you know aj point to his left hamstring and he, he kind of he, he ran a few more times to try to get it loose and then uh, nick cosgray the the rehab director came over and he was kind of feeling the hamstring while they were both like taking a knee on the sideline and right after that um I, um, I saw Zach talking to Bob Bicknell, the wide receivers coach, and they had, they were going over the script, and that was it was pretty apparent at that point that they were changing up the rotation for the rest of practice, and that that AJ wasn't going to return. But the good news is, he stayed out there. He you could tell uh, in Dayton last year he was devastated. There's that that picture. I can't remember who took it, but head and hands riding off the field on the cart. Um, his body language yep. was nowhere near that this time. They never iced it. I think it was just he felt a little something and was just being cautious. And uh, I, I, I don't want to say there's no reason to panic because this is what AJ's he's getting older and he he has his injuries his injury history. But at least on the surface, it doesn't look like we're going to be dealing with a situation like we were last year. And 
I think you're going to see a lot of guys with soft tissue tweaks and stuff like that. I mean, that's a big part of what the ramp up is going to be um, and why they why they had an acclimation period. It's it's his history. It's his history is what it gives everyone the here we go again. The the, the you know insert the this is fine gif. Like it's it's all it's all about the history and the concern that comes with this. And 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 oh no, he can't even finish a practice. And that's not great. That's not ideal. But I I I put that in the bucket of monitor for later and not the bucket of concerned. I don't find it concerning. I I really don't, as much as people want it to be. It's standard stuff that happens in practices. He could go out on, on Tuesday and be full go and be fine. Again, you're right. No ice, no into the locker room. He's standing there. And honestly, the little, like, the little, uh, you know, pinch runner runs he was doing looked pretty explosive. Yes, they did. I was actually fairly impressed by that. And, and so I – it was not something that I saw that and thought, oh, here you go. Here it is. No. It, to me, it didn't feel like that. Now, that may be different. If he goes this week and doesn't come back, if he's on a side field for a week and doesn't participate in the scrimmage and stuff like that, then maybe we can start to look a little bit deeper in this. But I don't think this is – You know, Zach Taylor came out and said it was precautionary. He said he just told him just take the day off. The rest of the day off, we're not going to – there's no sense to push it. We'll come back tomorrow. You'll be fine. Um, see where it's at, you know, how it feels. And this isn't standard, oh, coach says he'll be okay, precautionary, and then he's out three years, right? Like that – We've see, you see that in the past. I, that was not what this came across. So I would say to those freaking out, to those already in the brown paper bag over this, you know, doing the heavy breathing, um, no need. Uh, I don't. I don't think it's that serious. But again, time will tell. That's hey. That's why we have two podcasts a week. <laughs> now we'll be back. We'll be revisiting this on Thursday uh, with with what has happened in the days since. Um. So that's that was that was and that was really the big news. I mean, if of the of the day, it was kind of a lame practice, a little bit out outside of it being the first one, and also and it is. It is important. You mentioned this earlier. I do think it is important for us to uh, relay what the setup is down there. And not just for us, but just so pe- people can have an understanding of what we're seeing and things that we can't see anymore. And you meant, you know, the thing is at one point, you know, there was like some some jawing going on. And I thought it was coming from Mike Daniels. Um which would have been interesting in and of itself. New guys already like screaming and yelling at people. Um but it, you couldn't tell. So there, we're on a platform behind one, uh, the corner of the end zone, and it's just there's three fields. So if they're, they're on the middle field, you're so far away. There's also you have to see over the top of people. You can hardly, you really can hardly see what's all. Certainly not all of what's going on. Um, and Jay, you stationed up on the bridge to get a better overhead view because from down there, like from one spot in the far corner, the bridge is on the other corner. So you can be a little higher up and catch the other side. So we can kind of be coming at it from both angles and with both our eyes, eventually put two and two together somehow, but we still can't hear. And to me, as camp goes, the best part of camp is always really being up close in these high intensity practices and really hearing and having a feel for what's going on there. You can really gauge intensity. You can gauge 
composure over the huddle and the and the and the line of scrimmage, the the what's going back and forth, who's talking trash to who, that's the sense of disrespect there can be towards players, uh, all that stuff. Um, we just can't, we just won't be able to do. We just we can't. It's that's what it is. We're stuck in the corners that we're in, and that I think does take away a little bit from what you can glean from a lot of these practices. Yeah, you're right because that's what you what you would see and when we were on the sideline when a receiver would run an out route and the DB would knock the ball down and you know sometimes it's good natured ribbon and sometimes it got really you know when Pac-Man was here when Dre was here they they got pretty intense and there was there was quite a bit of, of trash talk with wide receivers and you miss out on that um, the bridge honestly I think I am closer to field two to see those 11 and 11s than you are from the platform and being higher. Yeah. It's, it's a better vantage point anyhow, being higher. But it, um, I, I ran into to Sam Green from the Inquirer when I was coming back from the bridge, and uh, he, he asked where I had been. I told him, and, and I told him he should go up there and shoot because he can probably get way better photos up there because um, he's got that huge lens anyhow. Uh, but it's just yeah. – it, it's, it's it's, it, you know, when you go to a football game, it's sometimes better to, to sit in the upper deck on the 50-yard line and look down and see things develop as, it, as opposed to being right on the sideline. Um, as far as not hearing things, there was one thing I did here today, and it was, it, it, it was that silence that was really kind of eerie when Rennell Wren went down. His his injury does appear to be more serious than than AJ's. Yep. What it is, you know, Rennell Wren Wren does not he doesn't mean the same thing to this team that that AJ does. But they they are thin at defensive tackle even even after signing Mike Daniels, and it was just he was laying face down and nobody was saying anything and everybody took a knee and, and how many times in practice have you seen they've got three fields if a guy gets hurt they it's it's a really cruel aspect of football but everybody moves on to a different field and the practice goes on and this today practice stopped they just, nobody did anything until they you know figured out what was going on with Rennell and got him on the the cart and then you see what you see anytime a guy goes off on a cart where guys coming over and dapping him up on the shoulder pads and wishing him well but um don't know the extent of that injury but it did not look good it didn't look like he was able to put any weight on that that right foot and they had to he's a big man and they had to help him get on that cart so we should have some more clarity on that in, in the next day or two Ren started the year on NFI, um, so he, we didn't really know much about what that was that he had prior to coming in. No, more notably, last year his season was cut short by a very concerning hip injury, which was similar in place to the the Tua hip injury that was much discussed um, about how serious that can be. And we didn't really know much. I was actually looking forward to talking to Rennell at some point about how serious that is uh, or that was and, and how scary it was for him or if, if there are certain aspects that he still feels of that. We don't know what this injury was today that happened to him. But we do know, you're right, that it was immediately clearly serious um, and taken off on the cart and everything and um, – I'm assuming we'll probably get news in the next few days about him, but I would not expect it to be good. Um, now, you never know. Sometimes these things are uh, look bad and aren't that bad, um, but this one did look bad just in the in the way that it went down. Um, so we'll see. I mean, they 
they added Mike Daniels. So their top three in that rotation uh, is set. But really, without Wren now, you start getting, you know, they may have to probably go back to the wire, um, I would think, and go find uh, another big guy to plug into the back of that rotation as a depth piece behind Reader. Because it's it's without now Joe now no Josh Tupo. You know, last year they had a little bit of almost I wouldn't say an embarrassment of riches, but they had a lot of guys that could play. Uh, Andrew Billings, Josh Tupo, Ronell Wren were all in that same mold, and they kind of had them all you could go to that could you thought could be serviceable or give you something. Now they don't have any of those guys. Uh, they do have Reader, uh, but we'll see what happens next as far as where what their depth is going to be at the defensive tackle uh, position. Um, let's run down a few other things noticed uh, at the first practices uh, here real quick. Um, so I guess if, if you're looking at biggest training camp battles, I mean, if we were ripping those off real quick, uh, you would obviously everyone's going to start with right tackle. Um Bobby Hart, everyone's desire to see Bobby Hart not be starting anymore. Uh, fans in that, I mean. Um, Bobby Hart's still the guy right now. Incumbent, holding down that spot. Fred Johnson coming for it, but it's not like they're running Fred Johnson out there with the first team right now. Uh, but, you know, th- that will come. I'm positive that Fred will have his minute. Uh, he will have his his chance. Uh, I think they, you know, if you saw, remember last year, there was a lot of trying to figure out who's going to play where. Jim Turner was a big couple days for this guy, couple days for that guy. I would guess we will see something of that nature. But as far as starting point, uh, starting point has been with Bobby Hart. Yeah, and, and the the other one, I mean, that is, I was, I I did think we might see more because when I talked to Jim in the offseason, he, he made it sound like that is a wide open competition. And we all know how he feels. He's, he's firmly in Bobby Hart's corner. Um, but I, I, I thought we might see, cause there was multiple sessions of 11s and I thought we might see those guys kind of rotate in and out with the ones. And that didn't happen. It was all Bobby. Um, the, the other big one were same scenario, the backup quarterback spot. I think a lot of people were thinking Jake Dolagala could, could unseat Ryan Finley after Ryan Finley's, terrible three-game stretch last year uh that didn't happen at all it was I don't I don't remember seeing Jake Dolagala take a single rep in in 11s or 7s it was it was all Finley and Burrow um and and Finley had, had some decent throws but he he had some some really bad ones that kind of reminded you of last year his last throw of the day was a ball that should never have been thrown um Tony Brown had the receiver absolutely blanketed and it had no shot and it really it should have been picked off he, he didn't even really have to break on the ball it was basically right to him um, but he, he just he did more of a, a pass breakup than actually trying to catch it uh, so you, you you wonder about that I mean is Jake Dolagala gonna get a fair shake because it, it, it still seems like Ryan Finley's on shaky footing he certainly has a shaky arm <laughs> I mean I, I mean they're that that was that was the apparent thing. I mean, you watch Finley, and you know Finley had so many bad practices last year, even in the off season, and then he came and played decent in the preseason games. And you, 
a year to really get things figured out. I think there was a hope that he would come and certainly look serviceable this year. And that, again, the same conversation as Burrow. Let's get a week through this. Let's let's see what consistently over time appears. But in initial first glance, I mean, there was some ugly out there. Uh, so I'm with you. I am – I would be surprised. I'd be pretty surprised if we didn't see Jake Dolagala get a little bit more of a shot uh, to go out there. Because in every chance he's had, he's really shown pretty well. I mean, whether it was when he played in preseason games last year, when he had that last day of minicamp last year where he was significantly better than Finley, um, when they, they were the only two quarterbacks going that day. He's got the big arm, so you have that going for you. I just... I really, you know, wonder. They like Ryan Finley, and I and I always feel weird even saying it because I, I he gets defended to me a lot by coaches and did last year that they really thought that was just an unfortunate circumstance for him and a really tough spot for him to be in. They really think he can still be a really good quarterback. Now this is a staff that stood on the table for him a little bit and moving up to take him in the fourth round and really thought they had something in him, so they would probably not want to give up on him quickly. That's fair. But at a certain point, you see enough bad throws, and you have a guy there who showed pretty well when he got was given a chance. How how much of a chance do you give him? That will definitely be something worth watching. At this point, you're right. The rep distribution, no love for uh, for Jake Dolgal. Now, and something else with Finley, um, and I didn't watch this close enough to know if it's an apples to apples comparison, but it, it, I don't remember Burrow getting blitzed and, and the blitz getting home now maybe maybe they did run a couple and, and they got picked up but they weren't getting picked up against Finley and whether it was you know the whoever's job it was to pick up the blitzer or Finley not recognizing it but there were there were at least uh four sacks today um Austin Calitro had one uh, Akeem Davis Geither had one Carl Lawson had one and Rennell Wren early before he got hurt had one where uh, he just he just drove back the he just pushed the pocket right back into Finley's face and you could call it a sack you couldn't call it a sack but um, that stood out too just the 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 fact it wasn't just the inaccuracy of Finley's arm but he was he the the blitzes were not getting picked up at all yeah that could also be a bad second string offensive line don't 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 leave that there's out now. a very good possibility uh, of that there's plenty of that going around uh, so. That I, that's kind of where that stands at. You know what? Something that stood out to me, and I wrote this in our daily uh, camp observations story, was the left side of the offensive line, and and for this fact, it was kind of the first time we got to visualize what coaches have been sort of talking about why they had so much confidence in the sophomore year jump, even though Jonah Williams is not exactly that, uh, of the class and the way that their feeling that they addressed the offensive line last year. That's left tackle Jonah Williams. It's left guard Michael Jordan. Jonah Williams, uh, we've gone over quite often. You've written about it. We've talked about it. Um, his workout this offseason has rebuilt his body impressed a lot of people in him coming back looking like an NFL left tackle far more than he did last year 
and really being looking ready to assume control and a guy chomping at the bit. Look like the real deal out there. Who knows? It's practices. There ain't one of them full pads yet. That comes Tuesday. Um, we'll start judging him more at that point. But that next to Michael Jordan, who has also been pretty hard working his body up to 320, like a kind of a, that powerful build he has, a big 320, you know, and, and a guy playing with confidence coming off of last year. And seeing that out there together can kind of make you believe a little bit that that area, which was just a train wreck all of last year, could have some stability and confidence and a, and a coaching staff that believes in it a little bit. Now, those guys need to stay healthy and all that, but, you know, it feels a little bit more stable and looks a little bit more exciting when you saw it out there kind of together and, and could kind of feel that a little bit. Yeah, and I was I was really impressed with Mike Jordan on the the Zoom call today. He kind of had that that deer in the headlights look a lot of times last year when you talked to him, where it was like everything was so fast and new, and he just he has this this poise and this confidence about him, and I you know that that probably comes with being basically named the starter your, your second year and uh, he talked about how he hurt his knee in week two last year and it wasn't enough to knock him out but it was something he dealt with all year so you're already a rookie you're struggling and then you've got this injury and it, it just it feels like everything just from you know bulking up and and, and learning the offense more it, he just seems in so much of a, a better place this year and that is something that that I will be specifically paying attention to tomorrow when they put the pads on because I don't know if they'll go live or not if they'll do any tackling but uh, it, it will be uh, worth watching to see what kind of running lanes they create on that left side for for Joe Mixon and Giovanni Bernard once they they start smacking with with pads on yeah I, I do want to uh, I do want to move on and get to receivers here in a second but first before I do, I want to talk to you uh, a little bit about Fubo.tv. Uh, it's, if you're looking to watch sports, this is what's for you. They have a family plan. Up to three people can watch it once. I know, you know, Jay wants to watch Australian rules football, you know, and I'm sure and his wife wants to watch cricket, right? And I'm trying to, I'm trying to take in the, the, the cornhole, the Johnsonville Cornhole Championships, well, we could all watch them at the same time when you have Fubo.tv. Uh, there's 15% off the first month. You get 30 hours of DVR. You can get your local broadcasts. You know, it's a tough time for a lot of folks. If you want to save money, $50 is more affordable than most of your cable providers. NBC Sports is included on the national feed. So with the NFL season around the corner, Fubo.tv will not disappoint. Stay updated in your favorite teams as well as your local broadcast news. So go to Fubo.tv slash athletic today get 15 percent off your first month you won't regret it that's fubo.tv slash athletic start your first month today uh and if people do that maybe they'll will be watching the Bengals, and they hope watching aj green and maybe watching t higgins and maybe watching john ross but all of these guys are kind of going through different things and not really participating right now so we've we're seeing tyler boyd and stanley morgan and and mike thomas uh, out there running a lot uh, as Joe Burrow throwing to those guys which Mike Thomas quick early run quit a lot a lot of love for him uh, pretty quick people people that was really maybe the the most under radar of all all their free agent signings 
um, a guy who was kind of in the back of the Rams receiver room when Zach Taylor was there, and Zach Taylor really liked him. But that was a pretty stacked room. I mean, you were you were talking about even the even the fourth receiver. There was Josh Reynolds, who's gonna be a big player for them now, and uh, had Cooks and Cup and uh, Watkins, all those guys. So um, he kind of was lost in the shuffle, and I think the hope was he could come here and maybe be a little bit not lost in the shuffle, or certainly give you good depth. But he's gotten some early run. But the, the, so let's let's kind of just run through these. I want to start with T. Higgins. Uh, so we don't we don't specifically know what's going on with T. Higgins. He's working out on the side right now. Tyler Boyd mentioned last week in a Zoom with us that he had some sort of thing, a minor thing that had kept him out, and he'd only seen him for like a day or two or something like that. So early in camp, he has a little something. Let's go out on a limb and say probably some soft tissue, something like we're going to see with a lot of people. Um, so has him working out on the side. I, we don't know when exactly he'll come back. We'll probably learn more about that in the coming days. Um, but at some point see him out there and get in the mix. John Ross um, had the situation come up last week where his uh, son and um, son's mother, I believe, both have tested positive and he needed to go back to help take care of them and deal with that situation. So he is indefinitely on the COVID reserve list. Um, you know, our thoughts are with John and his family. I tweeted this out um, after it happened. And it, people have a lot to say about John Ross. Like, he's 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 kind. He's just a polarizing figure with people. And he's he's been a lot of things you can talk about on the football field. I've found him a fascinating guy to get to know, um, even on a surface reporter level over the years. He's engaging. He's very smart. Um, he's got a, he's a genuine. He, he comes across as very genuine um, and not kind of afraid to be vulnerable, if that makes any sense. Like put him, his feelings out there and just kind of the way he feels about stuff and People talk about his lack of confidence and he's in his head too much. I just think he really is just kind of emotions on his sleeve type. The one thing that I've always been able to take from John Ross is that that guy loves being a dad. I mean, he is so proud and he loves to talk about and you, you watch his, his, his social media feed. I mean, he just loves it. And so not that he others don't, but when you heard the, him taking this step to step away from a massive point in his career, I mean, a huge point in his career. He needs to earn playing time stat um, to, to you know, in a, in a contract year, to step away and, and do this. It, it fits his profile. It fits exactly the way he's been. Like, this was always going to be what John Ross was going to be about first and foremost with football, a, a distant second to, to this, as it should be for most, but I'm just saying not surprising to see that from him. No, not at all. And and, and I think most players would, would – do the same exact thing. I, I think there's some head coaches out there that might might not do that, might not take time away from the team if, if that situation arose at home and, and hope doctors and, and other family could get them through that, but not not John. And that's you can criticize him for being injury prone and, and you know being short on confidence and um, you know struggling to, to pick up the whatever you want. But you there no one has the right to criticize him for this decision to, to leave the team and, and go home and be with his family. That, that, that should always come first with any of these guys. Um, and it, it will probably put him a little behind when, when everybody is already behind. Uh, but it was 
it, hopefully it is it's a case we don't know we don't uh, being diagnosed or be testing positive means different things for different people for some people it just means you were tested positive you have no symptoms um i i don't it doesn't feel like that's the case here he's been gone for a week now um so i just you know same same thing wish him and his family the best and and hopefully he they, they come through this healthy and then he can get back with the team and this can be behind all of them yeah, I, I'm under the assumption he'll have to jump back in through the protocol, um, which that that's set up for any of these guys that go on the COVID reserve list, uh, particularly someone that has been in close contact with people that uh, were positive. That's what the list is there for. Uh, so he will have to feel comfortable coming back, first of all, and then go through the days of protocol in order to get back to practice. Um so I, I wouldn't even speculate. I wouldn't even try to speculate on how long that will be, what that timeline is. Nobody knows. He should take as much time as he wants. And, and in talking to players, that's kind of sounds like the message that was given to him. Tyler Boyd talked about that last week of just do take care of your own, take as much time as you need. We'll be here when you come, for you when you come back and, and everybody being really supportive uh, of him. So the receiver room, it, with, with, with this, it, from a football perspective, it, it leaves it in an interesting spot. You know, you've got a lot of this depth we've talked about and the excitement that there's been for having all these different types of players. And just already you're seeing these Knicks and, and the, these other guys, you know, um, that are in the mix. Stanley Morgan, Alex Erickson, guys who you're talking about back of the roster battles, uh, getting a lot of reps and opportunity to go in there and, uh, and show what they can do. I thought it was interesting that you you would you would think with what he did last year, Auden Tate would have been a, a little higher up on that that pecking order. But it 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 appears that that they're going to use him as a, as a gadget guy, as a third down guy, and um, he 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 did not get near as many snaps today as as I thought he would. Um, the other interesting thing is you know, how far Damian Willis has fallen. I mean, last year he makes the team as an undrafted guy. He starts the opener in Seattle, and he's he's fairly buried on the, the the depth chart right now um, and there's that whole interesting dynamic there I, I did a story on him last year when it was uh, you know clear he was going to make the team and he was he was all set to go to Ole Miss and they they uh, took DeMarcus Lodge instead and that led uh, Damian Willis going to Troy and now those two are teammates DeMarcus Lodge is here a guy that another wide receiver that's in that mix in that room that the team picked up in the offseason. Um, Scotty Washington, an undrafted guy this year, he is on the rehab field with T. Higgins. Both of those guys look good. I think you're right. It's just it's it's it, probably one of those minor um, soft tissue issues because the, the rehab field is right. It's that third field. It's the farthest one away from the stadium, the one right underneath the bridge. So I've had a, a very good uh, view of what's been going on in the rehab field, and, and those guys – uh, both look like they're pretty close to getting back, um, and then uh, Alex Redmond's over there too, and that's that's not good for him. He's he's there's room to make this roster for him as a, as a backup, but uh, he's had injury problems, you know, pretty much since he's been here, and that this is not good for him. He is not a guy that was coming off of an injury from last year. I don't. This is something that he must have reported to camp with, and uh, that that's. Not good news for him to, to start the season. He does look good. He's running well. All those guys over there are working really hard, and, and none of them really look limited. But you you, guess, you just figure they have to be more careful with these guys than ever because of the short ramp-up time. Yep. 
Uh, and I, I anticipate we'll see more of that, and you'll see it across the league. I mean, as this week goes by, you always have that first week of real camp where you just a bunch of injuries pop up, and, and that's just that's part of what this is. This year, you know, sort of the same thing that you see in baseball with so many of these pitcher injuries. Um, you know, I, it, it would not be stunning. You know, you would actually anticipate seeing a lot more. You can, you can have all the ramp-up acclimation period you want, there, you know, you're still. These guys are asking their bodies to do things that they haven't really been doing um, it, when this thing goes full go, like it is right now, and we'll be fully in pads starting on Tuesday. Um, you know, you're gonna have guys whose body says, "Oh, nope, nope, no, <laughs> not ready for that yet." So, um, and that's that's here, that's everywhere, and I I anticipate, as always, seeing that rehab field start to uh, fill up. Uh, as they get through this week again for the week you got tuesday thursday full pads friday scrimmage session now i don't we don't know what exactly that's going to look like but it is set up as sort of the first scrimmage uh, of camp they'll have another one um in the stadium on the 30th am i right on that on the date that's saturday uh 29th no the 30th sunday night the 30th um a, a night scrimmage in the stadium as well so those are the two the big ones that we know of the rest I, I I'm curious to see how much live action we're going to get with the full pads coming on on Tuesday whale that where they will find ways to put a little bit more physicality into things and then we'll start watching a little bit more of this offensive line and and how they look um, but it starts to really really get real uh, as we go forward now uh, on Tuesday yeah, speaking of getting real, in a normal world, uh, Saturday night at 8 o'clock would have been preseason game number one in Kansas City against the defending Super Bowl champs. Uh, that's we're, we're, They haven't even put pads on yet. Uh, and in a normal world, they would have already had a first, a first preseason game in. Finley would already have two interceptions. <laughs> that's not nice. Oh, oh which, no, no, but that leads me, that leads me to our run passer boot, yes. though. Uh, so we've got, let's, let's. There's actually we're gonna do two, so again, as always, play along at home if you'd like. Tweet at us, um, but so run passer boot first. Joe Burrow interception of camp of camp open to us that that we have seen um, will come. Let's say Tuesday or Thursday as the first option. Friday scrimmage. Or later, I'm running. Is so when will when will we see the first Joe Burrow interception? I am running as fast as I can with Tuesday, Tuesday, Thursday. I'm not. I don't. Even, I don't even put Thursday in there. I'm saying it's tomorrow. I just. You're saying tomorrow pick? Yes. Um, and not not because he's looked bad, but just reading everything that that was written about him. Um, Brody Miller, great coverage. Uh, of LSU knowing how competitive he is um, and then the pads go on for the first time tomorrow he's uh, he's getting used to the game is faster obviously the the DBs break a little faster on balls I think he's he's going to try to fit one in because uh, he, he made a couple throws today he wasn't just hitting wide open guys like he was at LSU he was he was splitting double teams and um, I, I think he's going to try to fit one in that's going to either get tipped for a pick or outright broken on and, and get picked. Um, and that's not a bad thing. That's when you want to throw them is in practice. Uh, so I'll, I'll run with Tuesday, Thursday. I'll pass on Friday, and then I'll, I'll boot 
later uh, than, than, than Friday scrimmage. Uh, it, it's going to come this week for sure. One thing that's interesting that I remember going back to a conversation with Brian Callahan, it may even have been from our four-part series on the the coach, the scout, and the player, and the fan. Him talking about the biggest things, and maybe it was later, it doesn't matter. <laughs> Him talking about one of the biggest things with the way this offseason goes with not being able to get on the field is is – you know, you're going to have all this mental stuff, but the biggest thing you've got to learn is what you can and can't do on this level, where you can fit something in and what you where you can't take that chance. You've got to learn that, and the only way to learn that is by trying it. And you, I, You're right. I, I could see Joe wanting to go out there and figure out where the line is, figure out where those spots are that he can get to, that, and then which ones, learn which ones. Okay, that's not one that I can go for there and to to try that out and push that envelope and and figure out what that is on this level so yeah for that reason i am I'm, I'm with you that I, I think we'll see one probably in the next in the next two days um I, i'm tempted i'm tempted to pass on later and and boot Friday, I, but I, I'll, I'm with you. I'll go the same as you. I'll, I think it gets progressively. I, I doubt that we end up getting all the way to the weekend and not having seen a Joe Burrow interception at that point. I, you're right. I think there. I think pushing it goes. Uh, okay, second run passer boot. Ryan Finley. First interception comes in the first half of Tuesday's practice. The second half of Tuesday's practice, or later? Uh, <laughs> hmm. Now, when you say half, are we talking minutes, or are we talking uh, set I'll throwing say, seven and seven, eleven, eleven sessions? I would say, I would say the first. So uh, they'll get have to get through a full elevens and a full sevens okay. for the first half, and then the second half would be a full another full elevens and another full sevens, assuming that's about what it is. Or we could just go on time. We could just go hour to hour. Um, no, let's do the full set, the full eleven, a full eleven and a full seven. Um, give assuming they follow the same script that they did today. But I'm going to go the opposite. I'm going to go later because I think there's a good chance we see more Jake Dolagala tomorrow, and maybe maybe we don't see Finley. Um, they're, Already calling for <laughs> Dolagala. Um, but yeah, if, uh, this is, that that does make it hard. I'll run with later. I will pass on second half tomorrow and i'll boot first half just because i do think we might get to see dolagala running with the twos and i mean uh, maybe maybe some of this is on the defense he, he he had a couple that should have been picked today and they won one hit brandon wilson right in the hands um and brandon wilson dropped it this this shouldn't even be a run passer boot right now because it should have already been it should have already happened um but i'll do that i'll i'll say it again here later i'll run with i'll pass on the second half of of practice tomorrow and, and I'll boot the first half of practice tomorrow. All right. I'll run with the first half. I, I'm, I'm tempted to say first play. I just, I feel like he's just going to want to get it out of his system after, after, you know, not letting it go, but I'll, I'll say first half. And then just for sake of, of doing something odd, I will, I will pass on later and I'll, I'll boot the second half. No second half of practice uh, on Tuesday. Uh, you made me think that I just looked it up in my notes. His first play today was the play where Rennell Wren 
pushed the pocket into his face and he he kind of rolled out and he he did he made a nice throw to Auden Tate for a, a 10 yard gain but it it would have been a sack it so I I, I think that but that's that's a bold prediction on your part to say the first play they usually start off with shorter little dump passes but if anyone can do it Ryan Finley can do it yeah and I don't be I we don't mean to to there, there were certainly he had some good moments, and we, I don't, I don't mean to pile on a bit. It was just, just so easy. Uh, it's just there. It's he's just he's just had his struggles. That's all there's to it. Um, all right. So again, Tuesday full pads, Wednesday off day, Thursday, well, a Thursday practice, Friday scrimmage uh, is the schedule this week. Um, so we will have another for you on thursday another podcast uh kind of wrapping up what we get from the next couple of days and at that point um we will be we'll be back so that is the that is the setup for right now and then of course next week we'll be back and and we'll be we're getting closer we're getting closer you know um if there was a while there i gotta say credit the nfl um credit all these players and coaches that have pulled this off I mean, the league has stayed very healthy. Uh, the league has had uh, had minimal, extremely minimal uh, issues with COVID-19. Uh, and, you know, what we knew would be a very critical time from that first report through about three weeks to a month in, we're about there. And the league looks to be in great shape in the way things are going thus far and being able to handle this and find a way to play through this now. They've got to handle outbreaks and all the other stuff that comes with it, and every week will be a different challenge and all that. But so far, so good, and so far, so encouraging, certainly for uh, that game against the Chargers at 4-15 uh, on that Sunday, the September the 13th, uh, going off as scheduled. Uh, so we shall see, but uh, so far so good as far as actually getting the games to go, and that's good news for everybody. So, anyway, uh, thanks everybody for listening here to that podcast, Growl. We'll be back with the Growler on Thursday. Look forward to talking to you then, and uh, have a good one, everybody. <laughs>